Hi, my name is Regine Roy of Queen Geniuses Incorporated, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 181 of Chasing Dreams. Hey guys, before I get too much further, here is a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters. Thanks to all of you for your support. Beginning January 2019, as a thank you, Patreon supporters will have exclusive initial access to a bonus video conversation with our guests. Even donating a dollar an episode goes a long way. For more information on our Patreon campaign and or if you'd like to donate to help keep the show going, please visit amyj21.com slash Patreon. Guys, we are wrapping up Black History Month, and I have such an exceptional dream chaser to share with you today in honor of this month. Regine Roy is a mental health consultant, speaker, and the president and founder of Queen Geniuses, Inc., Regine delivers a life-changing message to students and professionals about the power of choice on topics including self-assessment, friendships, family, and careers. She's an astute specialist with deep and insightful knowledge in how to create a life on your own terms. We had such a blast having this conversation that we actually had to get back on the record once we were off the record, and it was just, it was fun, guys. And I want you to check it out. Take notes. And pay attention because she drops a lot of knowledge. Hey, Regine, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So it's interesting. You came from Stony Brook University and my sister did her master's at Stony Brook. Yay. Yeah, I did my undergrad and my master's degree at Stony. Which campus was it? Is it the main campus? Yep. The main campus out on Long Island. Yes. And It's such an interesting place. Most people think of New York and think the city, but Long Island is its own little world. It's kind of not New York City. At all. Right? Completely different experience. Now, did you always want to go to Stony Brook or did you kind of want a different experience? I originally went to uh, Oneonta State University prior to Stony Brook. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was about six hours um, you know, upstate New York, rural town. Um, And I just wanted to be as far away from home as possible. Um, Also, like going to a school that was within my income bracket. I went to Oneonta State for two years. Um, I wasn't challenged enough. I also had some traumatizing things happen to me my freshman year. Um, And I stuck around for two years and, you know, transferred to Stony Brook. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting because she went to Stony Brook and now she's in Ithaca, which is also as far from home as you could probably go. That's not why she left, though, guys. All right. So she she loves us. In fact, she's coming tomorrow. So, ha. But it's, it's interesting. And so you do an amazing service for people. Can you tell us a little bit about Queen Geniuses? Yeah. So um, I work as a mental health consultant. I am a social worker by trade. And um, I started Queen Geniuses really because I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, um, Flatbush Avenue to be exact. Um, You know, just like a part of Brooklyn where all of the Caribbean people lived. My family is from Haiti um, and migrated to um, Brooklyn in the late 1960s. And, um, and I grew up really poor, really, really poor. One bedroom apartment, um, about seven of us living on top of each other. And um, over the course of my life, I had a lot of incredible educators and people within the community that poured into me. 
Um, so by the time I went to graduate school, I was just really clear that I wanted to do with young, I wanted to do work with young women of color. I didn't know how I was going to do that work. Um, I ended up landing a job in state politics and started organizing empowerment conferences for girls that eventually turned into um, this small business of mine. You know, what's interesting is um, because of how your passion is, uh, former guest Deisha Dyer said something of a similar nature. She works with young African-American girls and helping them see the world. Mm. Amazingly. And she worked for the White House at one point. And so the fact that you guys have similar backgrounds doing similar things, um, you know, is awesome, especially as we're celebrating Black History Month and what you're doing is helping people. Because I, I don't feel I feel like that there's not a lot of positive representation for right. African-Americans or for people of African-Americans for us to have that representation on TV. Right. For so many years, it was a different mentality. And so for what you're doing, what are you facing with these girls? Lots of different things. I mean, I, and also I, I do a lot of work with girls, but lately I've been transitioning into my work with professionals, oh. which is really, really interesting. All similar work, though, and I'll, mm -hmm. talk to, I'll talk more about that in a bit. But some of the things that um, I'm facing are just young women who are dealing with um, issues of growing up in poverty, um, not having powerful examples of um what it is that you need in order to progress in the world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, also a lot of young people taking the resources that are there for granted because there are resources, there are resources out there. And so um, really I created the conference initially for me. Um, I had went to a women's conference when I think I was about 18 or 19 years old. Okay. Such a moving experience. I, I felt so um, alive seeing so many different types of women of so many different types of backgrounds mm -hmm. doing so many incredible things. Um, and it really gave me, um, I was just inspired. And so I started the conference just to uh, create a space for young women of color to see that um, you can be great and there are options out there. Um, and, uh, and, and, and yeah, that, that's, 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 that's all where it started. But I started the conference really to expose young people to resources because there are resources out there. I was going to ask that. You said that they take for granted resources. Is it for the lack of awareness of these resources? Honestly, I think the biggest thing is the mindset. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, yes, in some cases there is lack of awareness. Um, but one of the things that I'm finding that, um, even if there are resources there, you have to be empowered, um, to be, to get to a point where, um, you have the confidence to take advantage of the resources that are in front of you. Um, so one of the things that, um, recently I've been noticing just in my work with, not just young women, but professionals is there's something really important about having wins over the course of your life. Mm. Um, and, you know, like I, I really, I think when I was younger, really took for granted when people would like applaud me and say that, oh my goodness, you're so great. Like hearing that as a young person or, you know, like seeing your work on a school bulletin board or, um, you know, just hearing praise, it really uh, sets something off in your mind where it's like, oh, I want more of that. And if a young person hasn't received that level of praise or they haven't um, experienced certain wins in their life, as they get older, it becomes really hard to push yourself because it's like, well, what are, for what? You know, what am I pushing myself for? Um, so I'm, I'm realizing, you know, like, um, there's, there are more things that I want to incorporate in my work to give young people and to give professionals an opportunity to experience those small wins that really, um, give you that acceleration to do more. So before you talk about the, the professionals, I want to kind of talk about this because I didn't realize, I guess, how much I've taken for granted 
the small things that have given me confidence and boosted me up, really. So was that observational? You just noticed, you know, the difference amongst kids well, and their situations? I, I think for myself, um, uh, just I rem- growing up, I would always hear people say, Regine, you're so different from the other kids, <laughs> right? Because I went to some of the worst schools in New York City and I still was able to thrive. Huh. And I had a lot of people cheering me on, you know, like I really did. And, and, and not to say that there wasn't, there was always a drive in me. So, you know, maybe that that was like a natural drive. Sure. But I remember, I remember uh, being in my senior year of high school and um, there was, I went to a very large high school in New York city. There were about 4,000 kids in the school. Wow. And so there was a co- there was a college office that I knew I wasn't going to get the resources that I needed from because there was one college counselor for four thousand people. For, for well, there were about a thousand kids in my graduating class. Oh yeah, right? but so like wow. how how is she really going? Right. To and so I went to I found I got resources from my from my high school that sent me to some other place in the city. And I remember applying for my first college scholarship. It was a scholarship for $1,000. I had to write an essay. And I had to just talk about my life and, you know, why I thought I deserved the money. Sure. That, I wrote that essay. I got the $1,000 scholarship. And that helped me, you know, buy books my first semester of college. Like, it just helped. And it was a small win. And so by the time I got to college, I was like, hmm, what other, what other scholarships could I apply for? Maybe I should try another. And so I applied for more and I got more little scholarships. By the time I got to my senior year of, of college, I was thinking about grad school and there was a huge graduate school scholarship. It was about $20,000 and it, they would pay me $20,000 to go to graduate school. And I was like, I'm going to get it. I got these, I had little incremental wins mm-hmm. over the course of my college experience. And I was like, if I do it, I'm going to get it. And I got it. So I, I didn't have to pay for graduate school, but if I didn't have that first win, sure. I don't think I would have ever applied so it's so important. And, you know, um, when I when I meet when I meet adults and when I meet young people, I think about, you know, what were your wins? What were the things that you could pull on in your lifetime that really are going is going to get you to apply to college or to apply to a trade school right. or to ask for help because you have the confidence that someone is going to support you? It makes the the winds make such a difference. You know, when you when you put it like that, I mean, it's such a we really do take it for granted. The power of small wins. You're right. If you hadn't been confident to after that first win, keep applying. Mm-hmm. That's not to say you wouldn't have, but you wouldn't have been as confident or comfortable. Maybe you wouldn't have applied for yeah. twenty thousand, which is like twenty times what you got the first time. Exactly. That's phenomenal. And I think about I think about the win of getting that that grad school scholarship. And that was evidence for me to look at when I was, you know, quitting my job in 2015. Mm -hmm. That was evidence for me to look at like, hey, you were able to win this huge scholarship that thousands of kids applied for. You got that. So why wouldn't you be able to? thrive as a small business entrepreneur. And now as I have more goals, right? right, Like I just think about, oh, okay, well you quit your job in 2015 and you've been able to make it for the past three and a half years. Why wouldn't you be able to grow a team? Why wouldn't you be able to grow your business? Why wouldn't you be able to become a millionaire? Why not? But those small wins got me here. I'm just, I'm just so blown away by how, you're absolutely right, but how you're using something that happened so few years ago, you're still young, few years ago, 
right? Uh, but happened previously for your motivation now. Mm-hmm. Like there was no time limit on how that impacted you. It's still impacting you. That Absolutely. small moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just so many things. I, I could I could think about very specific moments when I was in um, elementary school, when I was in middle school. Um, and I think that's why um, working in educational spaces are so inspiring to me mm-hmm. uh, because that was my saving grace. And I know that education is not the saving grace for everyone. <laughs> it is not. Um, no. But for me, um, growing up poor, not having um, having lots of resources and finding ways to use them instead of, you know, like it was just the mindset. Yeah. Mindset. But my mindset expanded. Right. Over the years, it's still expanding. So for these girls and for young people, actually. Is that something that you find is that they're not focusing on, they're not allowing the small wins to help push them forward, as well as not realizing that the resources are available as a result of that? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's really hard developmentally for them to um, even identify those Mm. wins. Yeah. So when I was in high school, I was, I was very much in victim mode. I was, you know, like I remember um, being very angry at God. Um, my brother had passed away my um, my junior year of of high school, and um, there were just so many terrible things that were happening. Um, and so I remember thinking, like, why yeah. is happening to me? And you know, like I'm also a bit of a drama queen, so <laughs> you know, like I'm like. And this is only happening to me. Of course, there are no wins. I couldn't think about all of the um, people that were strategically placed in my life to help me to even get to the place that I was as a high school dramatic (laughs) (laughs) teenager. Um, But I really began to, I think my brain start, you know, like 25, your brain is fully developed. Mm -hmm. At 25, all of the dots started connecting for me. And I was able to understand the concept of wins um, in a way that there was no way that I don't, I think I would have been able to articulate it and understand it and appreciate it as a teenager. Um, Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's a good point. We don't really give ourselves enough credit that we're still young and learning for for those moments. But it sounds like you're, still using those moments that you had those wins that you had from the scholarship to quitting your job and now it sounds like you're moving from the focus being young girls to professionals mm-hmm. why take that step so so i i i the service that i provide um which is workshops i i've created a curriculum it's called the reclaiming your throne curriculum naturally because I truly believe that any woman or a young woman that I meet is a queen and a genius in their own right. And we all have thrones and empires that we govern, we govern over, mm-hmm. right? The name of my curriculum is called the Reclaiming Your Throne curriculum. And I would never, I'm very clear that that curriculum is going to live on. Um, and I'm just at a place where I'm looking to build a team for them to um, facilitate that curriculum and, um, you know, me transition into a place where I am training educational and mental health professionals in how to powerfully work with students uh, when it comes down to bringing social emotional services into the classroom and out of the classroom. That's amazing. It's, it's like, it's, it's an evolution, of what you're doing. And it's like, <clears throat> initially, you've worked and focused on the students, the the ideal kind of patient, if you will. And now you're kind of going back and saying, hey, let's try to treat the symptoms before we before it becomes an issue. Yeah. And really how it started um, was I would um, I made a request any school that I would go in to do work with. I made a request for 
um, educators to be in the room with me. Mm. Uh, I, I never wanted to feel like I was thrown into a classroom with a bunch of kids and, you know, like the educators are not seeing the yeah. work that's happening, right? Sure. Not only did they need to see it, but they needed to be there to develop relationships with the students while we were in group, right? So the conversations that I'm having in a group setting um, with other educators and, and students it's a really intimate conversation and it really um, develops like a beautiful space of intimacy that you don't typically experience on a day to day. Right. So having educators in that space was really important. Um, But one of the things that I saw having these educators in these groups with me was they're like crying and they're like going through like these really deep, um, emotional experiences with the kids. While that's great, I just saw like there was a level of healing that they needed to experience in order to create a powerful educational space for their kids. Um, And so um, in 2018, I started training a school district in Brooklyn and how to facilitate empowerment workshops with their students. And the whole district, first of all, I absolutely, it was, it's been such an incredible experience, but I'm seeing like how these women are so empowered. They're taking their own lives on. So now they could actually be real role models for the students that they go back to and work with on a regular basis. And I think that's, that work is way more important than me working directly with the girls. There will be lots of people that I bring on to work directly with the girls, but I think um, if professionals are not being empowered, I'm I'm working on one thing, and you know uh, the, the the container is not being taken care of. Well, it's it's interesting because your approach now seems, you know, you're you're essentially creating disciples who will help spread the word and share their teachings and affect so many more than if you had just kept it to you working with girls here one teacher not only affects the class that they have now but the classes they have in the future yeah and their family yes um and you know like when professionals are taking care of themselves and they're doing what they need to do to um you know like live their best lives then they could be the, the the champion for others to do the same. But you know, if I'm if I'm uh, going into a school working with students and these professionals are not being tended to, then um, it's like the, there's a holistic approach that yes. is not being um, tended to in the way that it could. No, absolutely. I mean, because if if we think about it. The way you're doing it is you're not only affecting this generation, but the generations to come because you're creating examples, teaching people that it's okay to be emotional, to be in touch, to be stronger. That is affecting, like you said, their families, their friends, the people they're interacting with because they touch more lives than young girls because they're still growing up, right? The reach that they have is, is greater. So there's a larger impact there, but you're still helping the girls. You yeah. just don't have to be the only one to do it. And that's planting the seeds. Exactly. And one Amazing. thing that I say in every single workshop that I do, especially the very first session is vulnerability is sexy. <laughs> and if we gave ourselves permission to be vulnerable, one, you get to say things out loud that you don't typically say, right? Mm-hmm. You get to bring awareness to that thing. And you get to work on it. And as a result of you working on that thing that you're not so happy about, then you grow and everyone grows as a result. Um, So, you know, growing up in, um, uh, in, in a culture where it is not okay to share anything, everything is supposed to be kept to yourself. Um, You know, you have to save face and keep up with everyone. Um, I had to really recondition my mind to give myself permission to feel. 
and me giving myself permission to feel I'm able to create space for other people to do that. And that really brings healing. Yeah. What's what's interesting about what you're doing is it's the natural progression, right, of, of what you're doing. I'm curious as if as to whether or not you have a next plan, because I, I can't see this being the the end all be all like you're doing too much for that to be the, the next stop. That this seems to be just the next leg in your yeah. journey. Yeah. I mean, I think the 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 biggest thing for me right now is just to um, really powerfully build structures out for the um, the the girls empowerment portion of my business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just as far as like building a team, training a team and having that team go out and facilitate and me feel powerful and confident enough in my ability to train that they're doing a good job. So, you know, I think that for me, that's one of the next steps. Mm-hmm. And the the other step is to really build out this um, professional development curriculum that I've already slowly been doing. Um, but there's, there's just so much more to flush out. There's so much more to flush out. And that, and that takes time. You know, this is all, you know, the, the thoughts muddled up in my brain. I have to get it on paper. I need to make sure that it makes sense. And I need to feel comfortable facilitating that. Once I feel comfortable, then I could train other people. Sure. Sure. And that's just natural progression, right? It just slowly until you're ready, you kind of keep focusing where you are. But the fact that this has become a world, a system for you, it seems like you're doing this in every, almost every aspect of your life. I could be wrong, but how does that impact you? Because it can't be easy. You know, when you're working with others, when you're emoting, when you're working with emotions, empathy, and it can sometimes take a strain on the caregiver, you in this instance, uh, in teaching. How do you deal with that? Or and do That's you? That's a really good question. Um, I, for a long time, I was part of a, um, a leadership program that really changed my life and gave me the motivation to, you know, build this business and, you know, uh, do all of the things that I've done over the past six years. Um, recently, I joined a rites of passage program for women. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be organized by a mentor of mine that I've respected for years. And that will be a safe space for me to share my own stuff. Um, and, you know, in my workshops, I'm constantly sharing. I'm constantly being vulnerable. Um, however, I know that I need to hold space for others. That's really my job to hold space for others. Um, and I can't hold space for others if I'm not allowing other people to hold space for me. So, um, so yeah. Uh, and speaking to family and speaking to friends, I have my core people that I speak to on a regular basis that I meant to, um, I have a business coaching community that, um, you know, like there are, I have lots of resources that I use to keep my brain um, safe so that I could, you know, create, uh, hold space for others. Now, when you did that, and it's wonderful to hear that you have these outlets to help you kind of take care of yourself. Was that something that naturally came to you or did you have to get hit in the head with the, hey, it's time to take care of yourself, Regine? I, I did. So the, the, the leadership program that I um, mentioned earlier, I did it when I was 25 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, not only did I do the program, but I ended up coaching that program several for, for years. Wow. And I was able to see the structures of the coaching community within that program. And I saw that there, there would be a base level coach that would work with the par- participants that were in the program, there were head coaches um, that had that were coached by like the seminar leaders. The seminar leaders had coaches, right? Everyone had someone that they could report to. No one was left behind. So if one of the head coaches was dealing with the personal breakdown, that head coach would still be responsible for all of these people underneath them, right? But at least that head coach had a seminar leader 
to talk to, to work out whatever they needed to work out so that they could still be functional. And so I'm, I think be seeing that structure time and time again, um, now that I'm no longer in that program and I'm living life on my own, I'm really clear that I need several different communities to lean on um, because not sometimes one community may not be available. Maybe someone's dealing with their own thing. So I have lots of people that I could lean on so that I could continue to do the work that I do. When you're, when you're talking to young people and, you know, given the nature of this show is, you know, chasing dreams, do you find that because of those circumstances, because of their belief that there are no resources and the like, they don't aim for dreams? Uh, yeah, depending on the community that mm. I'm working with. I, I work in some top A-plus schools in New York City, and those kids are freaking phenomenal. Um, and they're and they're going through whatever it is that they're going through as well. Um, but I, they have either home resources or like their schools are, um, you know, like have incredible resources. And you know, um, the the students in the A plus schools are they're set up to win, in a way that some of the other schools that I work in, you know, and um, very. Um, impoverished communities, those schools don't have as many resources. Those schools, um, I think the teachers are a little more burnt out and not as fulfilled, right? So if you're around professionals that are are not fulfilled, what are the chances of you really being able to push through that for yourself, right? It is hard to have have dreams when you're, you know, you're dealing with... um, you know, having to be a caretaker of your sick grandmother and you're 16 years old and your grandmother was the person who raised you your whole life, right? It's hard. Um, and I hear them, I hear some students say things like, I'm going to make a lot of money one day, right? So that is an aspect of dreaming. However, there's a structure that you need to follow to make money, right? Yeah. structure is not going to be the same for everyone, Right. But there there are things that you need to to put in place. There's a level of discipline that you need. Right. Um, So really, depending on the community that I am working with, um, you know, the baby steps that I take into that dream conversation may look different depending on who it is that I'm speaking to. I think everyone is capable of dreaming. Um, but what are you willing to do and what are you willing to chase in order to put certain resources in place for that dream to really come to fruition? Yeah, it's interesting because when, when talking with young people today, sometimes the conversation, a lot of the, the dreams I hear are about money, which is what it is. But um, a lot of it is also, I'm going to make it like that. And it, you make a great point about Everybody has a dream. We all have different dreams. But what is it you're willing to do for the chase to mm-hmm. get there? Yeah. I mean, I, even um, I have two nephews. And the other day, one of them was like, they call me Auntie Jean. And one of them set, goes, uh, Auntie Jean, um, I want to do Fortnite videos on, um, on YouTube. Fortnite is this big, you know, video game phenomenon. And um and I'm like, that's great. I think you could do that. I'm like, do you know what what are the skills that you think you're going to need in order to have that happen, right? Because mm-hmm. like, one, you have to have a really big personality. You need to feel really comfortable talking on screen, right? Um, you need to know the game, right? You need to be good at playing the game so that you could teach other people the technique, right? So like, it, I, yeah, I think it's a brilliant idea. There are lots of people who make money on YouTube. However, th- then you need the video. Con- like who's going who's gonna to take the video? Who's going to edit it, right? There are all of these things. So it's a great idea, but are you willing to do the work that needs to be done in order for you to fulfill on, you know, getting your first video on YouTube? That, that's a lot of work. It looks like fun. Yeah. It's, like fun to me but you know it may be really fun to them 
but they work. How'd you take that? Um, he was, he was just, I'm going to do it. (laughs) I'm like, okay, (laughs) sure. Yeah. It may happen. We don't know. It may happen. Um, but you need to be willing to, to take the steps and everything is baby steps. No. And, and I think you make a great point in breaking that down, right? Oftentimes we're so focused on the big picture. We forget that the, there's some distance between where you are now in achieving that dream. Yeah. And skill sets that really need to be developed. Well, I think you're right in that a lot of people forget that there are skill sets needed to chase dreams, regardless of what dream it is. It may be a different skill set, but all of them have the skill set of work. Right. Right. And I think the biggest thing is, even if you don't have the skill set, do you have the willingness to develop the, um, to develop whatever it is that you need to develop in order to take that dream to the next level. Mm-hmm. So if, if you are not very good at public speaking, but you want to be a um, social media personality, right? Well, you're going to have to get comfortable speaking. So what are the things that you can do to start getting good at speaking? And it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to go and speak on a stage, right? You could practice your speaking skills in a conversation with a friend, you know, like how effective are you in communicating um, a breakdown or your feeling in a situation, right? That skill and that one conversation, you're actually developing a really strong communication skill. That little baby step is going to give you the confidence later on to, um, um, to push back in a conversation if someone tells you no, yeah. right? That skill set is going to give you the confidence to maybe speak on a stage one day. But if you're not even talking to anyone on the phone, right? If you're not making, you know, if you're not willing to talk, maybe to raise your hand in class, right? If you're not willing to do that, let's not even think about being a personality because you're not willing to do the baby steps that you you need to do to get you there. You know, it's interesting because I think some of us uh, young people, middle people, whatever people um, find these dreams, we define them and we base it on what we're seeing, right? The end result, whatever social media shows us, whatever is on YouTube, but we don't see those behind the scene steps, right? We don't see what it takes to put that video together. All we're seeing is the end result. And as a result of that, we think it's easy, right? right. And, and you're right. It, people don't realize there, there's more to what we don't see. So much more. So much more. I could say so much about it. <laughs> there's, there's so much more. Well, what do you, I'm curious, going back to the young girls you, have, you, were ta- you work with, how does social media play into their emotions and how they're feeling about their dreams or even just moving forward? Because you were talking about lack of resources. Sometimes it's what we see in the world and what we have available to us. How does social media play into that? I think it's just a real, like, unrealistic escape. Hmm. That's, I mean, when we're talking about um, people from young, from low-income communities, um, there, there is, it's just an unrealistic escape, right? So it's like, you see these people, you get to really indulge a little bit into this lifestyle. And again, there has to be a willingness to say, okay, this is great. What am I doing for myself in order to take myself to the next level? Right. Right. Um, and there's only a certain level of, um, I think I think you could have lots of people encouraging you and rah rahing you, mm-hmm. but there's a a level of willingness that that you need for yourself to be willing to detach from that social media account and focus on you. Um, good point. It's just really easy to get sucked in and then to start comparing yourself oh. to other people um, and to you know. Um, and then to, you know, like, I don't know how I'm going to get there. Well, get off, you Step know, one. 
get off, stop looking for a little bit and indulge. I'm not saying to not indulge. Social media is amazing. Indulge, allow yourself to be inspired and take a take a baby step a day. Yeah. A baby step a day, whatever that is for well, you. As with all things that are good for us, we, we have to have some kind of fence or limits, right? Not everything. Not, we can't have ice cream every day if we like ice cream, right? It can be bad for us in some points. Social media is the same way. Mm-hmm. We just don't yeah. like to hear that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's an incredible tool. I've gotten work through mm-hmm. social media. It's, you know, um, it's an incredible tool. Um, sure. And, and um, there are just hard skills that everyone needs. And, um, and, you know, and I do, I don't believe that depending on how much you indulge in social media, it could really make or break you. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Yeah. Well, Regine, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. One thing I have to ask you before I let you go, what is one thing people can do today when they want to chase their dreams? What would you say? Um, allow yourself to dream. Allow yourself to think about um, the things that are important to you and really allow your, your mind to wander as far as it possibly can. Mm. Um, I think that once you've got that visual in your head, you can begin to put the things that need to be put in place in order for you to attain it. So, Rajit, we were talking off the record for a little bit. I was like, we got to get back on here because you were just dropping some things. And, And the question that brought the most surprising answer was, if you knew what you did now, would you still do what you did? Did that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So if I knew that all of the work that I needed to do in mm-hmm. order to get to this point, yeah. would I do it? Mm-hmm. Um, hell no. <laughs> I, don't think I, I don't think I would have done it at all. Um, and I think not knowing all of the work that needed to, to, to be put in was the biggest gift. Um, and so... Um, Back in, I think it was March of 2018, I had just did, completed my sixth annual Queen Geniuses Conference, a huge conference where we've got about 200 girls from all over New York City. They come out and, you know, just have a beautiful time together. I had just completed that conference. I was on an all-time high and I got invited by the Department of Education to come to this event um, where there would be a bunch of other leadership development companies, right? Pretty much vending their services to schools uh, across New York City. So it was a really big deal because, you know, I get to put my product out there. You were were in the room. I was in the room. You were in the room. And I was invited to be in the room. And I I was about to meet, like, essentially other my other competitors right right so I'm vending I have like my little queen geniuses table set up and you know I've got my purple and gold everywhere I've got like my little outfit on and I I feel good because I've I've been able to sustain myself for three years at that point so I felt I was you know I deserve to be there and so um there was a woman that was sitting next to me And she has this like really professional setup and I'm listening to her speak with, um, you know, some of the, the, the educators in the room and I'm, I'm just really impressed. So I introduced myself to her and I'm like, Oh, like, what do you do? You know, like this is, this is amazing. And she goes, Oh, well, I've been working for this company for the past 17 years. And so for me, I was flabbergasted because 17? 17 years and I, when I quit my job in 2015, I really thought that I was creating this innovative product, right? You know, like never been done before, never been done before. Like this is so needed in schools. Um, And I had no idea that these leadership development companies existed. Um, So as I'm speaking to this woman, she tells me that her company has 400 people that go out. To, to schools all over New York to deliver their product. And here I am, one person, you know, going to oh two schools a day by myself, you know, facilitating my curriculum. And so 
you know, I, I remember thinking to myself, like, if I knew that a company like hers existed, I probably would have just tried to get a job with the company and probably would have been one of their best trainers. But because I didn't know and because I thought my idea was so great, I developed everything. You know, I got the business coach. I, um, I took the financial management classes. I journaled. I cried. I did all of the things that, you know, small business entrepreneurs do. You put in the work. Put in the work. But so to answer your question, no, I don't think that I would have done all of the work that I did um, to get here because if I knew the competition that was out there, I would have been too scared to try. You know, it's interesting you say that because sometimes people are like, I need to see the roadmap. I need to see all the steps before I'll take that very first one. And the thing is, if you had done it, according to your story, we would never have been blessed with Queen Geniuses. You wouldn't have developed a curriculum that can help these girls the way it does. Right. And to help girls, to help professionals. And really, like, I don't think I would have developed into the woman that I am today. Huh. Right? And to someone who I really, I really believe that I could do anything. Um, because I remember when I first quit my job, the goal, the big goal was you, I would always say to myself, no one is going to tell me anything once I get my first client. <laughs> like, I was like, and I remember, like, I was like, I'm going to be the ultimate boss once I get someone to sign a contract. And now I sign, I guess, you know, like people sign contracts with me all the time. Right. So now that bar is higher. And, you know, it goes back to what I was speaking about earlier about those small wins, right? right. <laughs> like that first client set the bar. And then it was like, well, how many more clients could I get? And now it's like, oh, how many more clients can I get with a team? Right. So, you know, like all, you know, and that's just where I am right now. I, who knows where I'm going to be in five years. What's interesting about your answer is not just what you said, but also the fact that you would be a different person if not for this experience. Your answer of happiness and achievement would have been different if you had, if you'd known everything versus you not knowing. And now your level of positivity and, and success and how things are working. Confidence. Confident. It's, it's different though, right? It's, I couldn't have ever imagined, you know, like I just couldn't have three years ago. I like who, what I feel the, the, the level of like motivation, the level of, um, you know, just fire that I feel under me. I would have never been able to, I don't know what other thing would have given me like this breath of life. I think about it as maybe like, I don't have children right now, but like, this must be how mothers feel when they <laughs> push their child out, you know, like, yeah. it's like oh my God, like, this is miraculous. I did that, you know, like, and that's, I don't know what it feels like to push a child out yet, but I can only imagine like this is what that experience has been for me. Well, you know, the, the thing about everything is you have different standards as well. You have different definitions of success and and your dream is something you're chasing now versus your dream. It's like choose your own adventure, right? You know how you, you ever read those books and you pick a path and you've picked the path and here we are today. But if you go back, knowing what you know, you would pick a different path. But I'm not sure your definition of success and happiness would be the same. No, I not even not even a little bit. Yeah. And that's why it's so important for the milestones that I create for myself. I need to hit them because there's so much more that as every milestone I hit, there's a space in my brain that opens up a little bit more. Right. And then it's like, you know, what else is possible? Yeah. You know, like, I didn't think that was possible, but it is <laughs> so what else is possible. And it's so exciting. It's so cool. So, so cool. What's great is it brought us you the way you are today. 
and that is a great blessing for the world. So thank you, Regine, for everything. You are awesome, Amy. Thank you so much. Didn't I tell you? Isn't she amazing? Guys, that was Regine Roy. You guys can learn more about Regine and the work she is doing with Queen Geniuses over on the show notes page at amyj21.com slash episode 181. That's episode 181. Now, guys, before I let you go, I have a special announcement. I am hosting the 2019 Chasing Dreams Fundathon, which will be taking place Monday, March 18th through Thursday, March 21st. Now, as some of you may have guessed from the name, I am raising money to keep Chasing Dreams going for another year. Now, I love this podcast. I believe it does its part to inspire you, our listeners, to go out and chase your dreams. And when others see you guys chasing your dreams, they begin to believe they can do it too. It's a powerful ripple effect that is helping to shape our world, and I'm just playing a small part in it. But to do that, I need your help. Now, I'm still working out the logistics, but there will be guests joining me each night during this fundathon. To learn more about what's to come, please sign up at amyj21.com slash fundathon. That's F-U-N-D-A-T-H-O-N. And feel free to share it with your friends. Now, I'm going to go ahead and put the link on the show notes page in case you didn't catch that. All right. So check that out. And remember, guys, until next time, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Keep chasing.